Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, everyone out there in uh, Real Presence Radio Land. Today is uh, February the 23rd. It's a cold one here in Fargo. I suspect it's probably cold throughout our entire listening area. But uh, it's warm here in the, uh, the uh, what is the word I'm Studio? looking for? The palatial studio <laughs> set of Real Presence Radio. And uh, uh, your guests this morning, your guests, your hosts this morning are myself, Jack Canelli, and my beautiful wife, Doreen. Doreen. Good yes. morning. Yes. And it is sunny in Fargo. It's beautifully it, it, sunny. It, and we have clean snow covering all the dirt that the wind blew up that's last right. week. So it is kind of a pretty looking snow. It is. Not a very nice looking cold, though, for that matter. <laughs> but anyway. Um, oh, I uh, before we uh, start into the program, I do have something I want to pass on to our listeners. Because uh, I was at the uh, the table of knowledge with the uh, a couple of prominent Catholic men in Fargo, uh, Doug and Tom. And the place where we have our fellowship, if you will, is that uh, they had the TV on, and I was watching a national news story, and it, it was a uh, they were interviewing a young woman about wellness for women, but I think this goes for men as well. And the number one uh, suggestion that they had for you know staying healthy was to avoid unhealthy foods. I think that's important, and uh, it, it's good that we have somebody on national television to remind us to do something like that. Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom, yes. But enough of the words of wisdom. We'll get to some other words of wisdom throughout the, the program this morning. We have a good lineup for you, and we're anxious to, to get started. But before we do that, we'll, as we always do, we'll open with a prayer. And uh, Doreen, would you be happy to lead that for us? <laughs> I sure would. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, may everything we do begin with your inspiration and continue with your saving help. Let our work always find its origin in you, and through you reach completion. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And St. Polycarp. Pray pray for for us. us. Yes, a man, a man whose name means many carp. <laughs> <laughs> was he a fisherman? Uh, well, he was a fisher of men of sorts. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes in the early. in the order of who who was his uh, Saint John, John was uh, the apostle that uh, he was basically tutored under. Anyway, let's get to our first guest because he's a busy guy and we don't want to be holding up high-priced help like this unnecessarily. So we'll, we'll put him to work right away in order to justify this, uh, the extravagant amount that we're paying you for today. I'd love to hear more about that later. Yeah, sure. <laughs> don't hold your breath. We were very excited when he walked through the door this yes, morning. Yes, we were, yes, at two minutes prior to the uh, opening bell. So happy to see him. <laughs> yes, yeah, we do have a history of no-shows. We've been doing this for about a year, mm. and uh, 
we've actually had three times when guests have not been available for one reason or another. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we're used to it, though. Sure. But anyway, we're happy to have Patrick McGuire with us uh, from St. Anne and Joachim Parish. And what is your title over there is the... Director of Music. Director of Music. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking about Vespers at St. Anne and Joachim. And I might mention, you're no stranger to Real Presence Radio. You were on a couple of months ago with Doreen and me. Yep, that's right. I think the last time I was here, we were talking about the Diocese of Fargo Parish Musicians Workshop. Yes. Yes. Okay, well, we're still talking about uh, uh, liturgy and music today, and uh, it's something you've been doing monthly at St. Anne and Joachim, and now you're going to be doing it weekly during Lent, and that is Vespers. Why don't you tell us about yourself, and then you can just kind of work right into the uh, you know the Vespers program that we're here to talk about. Sure, yeah. So I got hired at St. St. Joachim in June of this past year, so I'm coming up on you know wrapping up that first year where you kind of take inventory of everything, introducing new ideas and stuff like that, um, and learning a lot too. So this has been a, it's been a fun year for me. And one of the things that I've wanted to introduce and I knew I did want to do right away was to bring Vespers um, back to the life of the parish. And I wasn't the first person to do this. Um, I think it started back in 2017 with Father Metzger when he was the parochial vicar there. He had started it, and then Father Miller, who's now at the liturgy office of the diocese, he um, took up that mantle as well. And then as I hopped into the position here in June, I Having participated in that with both of them, I thought, oh, this is something I want to keep on going uh, at St. Anne and Joachim. So the Vespers, is, it's part of the, the liturgy of the hours. Um, and uh, I, I posted a status on Facebook last night saying, hey, I'm going to be on Real Presence uh, Live and we're going to be talking about the liturgy of the hours. What questions do people have that maybe I should try to cover and answer? And I, I had about 15 questions that got asked in total. I mean, people want to know a whole bunch of stuff about this. So do we have two hours I can just uh, take over here to go over everything? No, we don't. So I'm going to try and speak in as much generality as possible to at least give a decent idea about what all this is. Um, so the liturgy of the hours, it kind of is what it sounds like. Um, it's a series of prayers throughout the day. And uh, the Vespers, or evening prayer, that's just one of those hours of prayer. Now, when I say an hour of prayer, I don't mean it's something where you sit and you're praying for a whole hour. These prayers take anywhere from you know 10 to 30 minutes, depending on if you're doing them by yourself or with other people. But the idea is that it's a series of prayers throughout the day that kind of help you consecrate your whole day to the Lord. And recall him and all the great things he's done for us and ask him for help primarily through praying the psalms so the big focus of the liturgy of the hours is through praying the psalms um vatican II um wanted to give some some new life to the liturgy of the hours in particular for the lay people like you and i and uh, one of the things it says in there is quote it is truly the voice of the bride herself addressed to her bridegroom it is the very prayer which christ himself together with his body addresses to the Father. It comes from Sacrosanctum Concilium, paragraph 84. It's a beautiful idea that we get to offer this prayer with Christ to the Father. It's all of us together as the church addressing our, our Creator. So that's a, a general sense of what the Liturgy of the Hours is. Every hour it differs. There's, if you really want to go like hardcore all the way into the Liturgy of the Hours, do every single one of them. Essentially, it's like every three-ish hours or so you go into prayer and you, you work through some readings and some psalms, and there's some prayers in there. Um, and every hour has some little differences here and there. But the two that maybe are most primarily accessible to the lay people like you and I are morning prayer and evening prayer. And so what we're doing at St. Angelicum is we're doing this evening prayer. As you say, we've been doing it once a month, and then starting up in Lent, we're going to do it weekly. 
So that's a, a quick overview. Basically, the liturgy of the hours, I think most people's understanding is probably what they see on the movies when they show pictures of monks in monasteries in the early morning hours when it's dark and their hoods are up. Right. And like, <laughs> the sanctuary is lit by candles and that's they're right. chanting. Mm-hmm. That's you know? a pretty good picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is interesting because I think in the past it was, you know, we as, as kids at least, when kids, people my age, you know, we would see father out in the playground uh, with his breviary, mm. you know, uh, reading his, uh, doing his uh, daily prayers. And that was, and it was always kind of the, you know, that was father's responsibility. Well, I mean, the the, the, the clergy, the ordained have canonical uh, requirements that they have to do the, uh, yeah, I think, at, you know, the liturgy of the hours. I'm not sure if it's all of them, but right. it yeah. seems there's been sort of, like you say, for Vatican II, there's been sort of a, a movement or a resurgence, if you will, of these prayers back to, the, you know, the laity picking them up again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. In particular, the Vatican uh, Second Vatican Council wants us to, to look into the um, morning and evening prayer sections of the Divine Office. And when I, when I say Divine Office and Liturgy of the Hours, they're kind of interchangeable terms. You usually want to stick to Liturgy of the Hours, but Divine Office is the same thing. Um, so yeah, the two offices that in particular of the Liturgy of the Hours, Vatican II wants us as a lay people to pray as well, is the morning prayer and evening prayer. And they're very open and accessible to us. And, uh, you know, some people might ask, okay, well, yeah, the priests and the religious and whatnot, they're bound to it to a certain degree uh, to pray it each day, um, but but what about us? And one of the first things I, I think about with that is um, I remember hearing at one point in time that Pope St. John Paul II, um, at one point in his life for a time, went to confession every single day. Every single day, that saint of a pope found something to go into the confessional and confess. Well, if he, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me, I tell you that. And it's the same kind of mentality I have when it comes to um, this uh, Liturgy of the Hours prayer. Well, if, if the church is saying it's really good for the priests and religious to be praying it, it's probably pretty good for me to pray it as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful, beautiful um, series of prayers, and it's um, when it's done in common, like what we do over at St. St. Angelicum with Vespers, it's chanted, and it's what we call antiphonal. It goes back and forth. So for one uh, strophe or mini-verse, if you will, um, you're not singing. The scola will sing, and then you'll sing your part as kind of a response. And so not only do you get a chance to actively participate in terms of um, physically um, speaking or singing these prayers, but then you get a moment to read them and take them in and hear them. And so it's a very meditative back and forth prayer that really helps sink the words into you and give you a good idea of what the what the Lord's trying to give you there. And so it's it's a beautiful, beautiful prayer, well worth the time spent um, to pray it. So, um, Patrick, do you do you chant in English or in Latin? In English, yeah, yeah. So, we've been we've been doing the um, Saint Meinrad Psalm tones, and I had Father Metzger help me to kind of get things established with all this as well. And we do the the Marian antiphon at the end of Vespers. There's a series of uh, chanted uh, prayers mm-hmm. to the Blessed Virgin, uh, typically done at the end of Vespers, and we do that one in Latin. But everything else is completely in English. So what did you mean when you said the St. Meinrad? Oh, sure. So the, the psalm tones, these are the, the, you maybe call them musical patterns that you pray these uh, chants with. So um, 
like what I'll do is the organist, when I'm leading everything at the beginning, I will play through the psalm tone, which is just a series of four many patterns of music, and then the entire psalm then is sung to that pattern. So as we go through, it's the same pattern the whole time. You listen to a couple of little strophes, and then you've got the whole thing, and, and we repeat the same psalm tones throughout each of the um, uh, following liturgies that we do for Vespers. So we've been using the same tones, so it's kind of familiar things that just kind of help you to focus more on the words than trying to sing the music, right? Because what we're there for is the words and the prayer. So did that tone originate in a particular monastery, or you said St. Meinrad's? Was it yes, the person St. Meinrad? Or? No, this would have been the, the monastery okay. out there, and I, I forget who it is that uh, put these together in particular, but um, but yeah, that's the idea, that there's a certain set of, of tones you can use. So you're connecting to even that monastery by using those Sure, tones. yeah, if you yeah. want to think of it that way too, yeah. absolutely. And there's all kinds of, you know, there's like standardized psalm tones, which is a whole other conversation mm. to get mm-hmm. into that are deeply rooted in the church's history and even have roots in Jewish cantillation, as we kind of talked about the last time I was on air, the roots of chant being in Jewish cantillation. But there's um, a beautiful, rich history of that being part of our prayer life in our church. Well, I just started reading again for the second time the book, Why Catholics Can't Sing. <laughs> It's a good book. And it's a very good book, and it's funny how, you know, uh, uh, we're having this discussion, and there was just something going on just the other day that, you know, directly related to that uh, book and what I was learning. And when you talk about, the, you know, the the psalm tones, you know, kind of the, not monotonous, but, you know, the, you know, kind of the re- repetitive. And one of the things that he was explaining is that, you know, that's kind of an old, uh, uh, an old format, if you will, but it, it, the, it encouraged the people, they would get comfortable with it. And, of course, you know, in the ancient, in the old church, you know, they didn't have the books and all that. And so it was, they were very comfortable singing it. And it was, one of the things that he kind of concludes there is that this is a kind of a uh, prayer form or musical form that actually encourages the congregation to participate, which is really entirely inconsistent, you know. And his position is, you know, basically that a lot of the praise and worship music that we're seeing is more of a performance type thing where, you know, the person is up there performing, encouraging people to sing, but, you know, it it really doesn't necessarily have that effect because the music is a little bit more uh, complicated or sophisticated, if you will. So, and... uh, I think it's neat because, you know, people participating that way, you know, feel like they are participating in the prayers of the church, you know. And I think the Liturgy of the Hours, they are the prayers of the universal church. Am I not correct on that one? Absolutely, yeah, exactly. As, as I said, the Second Vatican Council says it's the prayer of the church addressed to the Father. So we all get to do this together with Christ. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, with that, let's, let's go to our first break. And uh, we will come back and we will continue our discussion with Patrick McGuire and uh, talking about Vespers at, uh, at St. Anne and Joachim. And maybe there are some other churches out there doing the same thing in our listening area. And if you're not, why don't you think about it for Lent? And maybe you can learn something about it and uh, take it to your music director or your pastor and see if you can get something going. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Okay, here we are back with Real Presence Live for our next 15 minutes with uh, Patrick McGuire with some, as the uh, lead-in said, interesting and uplifting uh, materials. And uh, we're COVID-free also for the... Entire segment this morning. I Woo. want to, our, our our listeners to know that, so they won't be regaled with any of the more recent news or data or statistics about that sort of thing. But before we do that, before we get back, I want to put in a plug here for uh, our listeners to tell us what you think about our programming by completing the survey at realpresenceradio.com backslash survey. And... Uh, we're looking for your input, and uh, if you can, if you complete the survey, you could win a Real Presence Radio jacket or a Real Presence Radio duffel bag. But the survey closes this Friday on February 25th, so get on your computers and uh, fill in the survey, and maybe you can sport one of our jackets or a duffel bag. With that, Doreen, why don't you continue, because... For some reason, I feel like I'm out of breath here. You sound like you're out of breath. <laughs> yeah, it's a long way from the water cooler. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, welcome back. We're here with uh, Patrick McGuire in, in our studio, which is very fun. And Patrick is sharing with us what's happening at St. Santa Joachim, um, kind of uh, wrapped in a little bit of uh, education on Liturgy of the Hours and particularly the Prayer of Vespers. That we pray. So, 
Um, if you're just tuning in, that's where we are, and Patrick is about to um, tell us why it's a good idea to join in this particular liturgical prayer during the season of Lent that is approaching quickly. That's right, yeah, it's just around the corner here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, first of all, when it comes to Lenten devotions of any type, you know, I th- we all have kind of the common thing that a lot of people do during Lent, like, I'm going to give up chocolate or I'm going to give up beer, you know, those are great things to do, of course. It's nice to, to withhold yourself and restrain yourself in some degree, but whatever we do for Lent, we want it to bring us closer to Christ. So, maybe in addition to that, first idea is, okay, I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent, and every time I feel like I'm craving chocolate, I'm going to say our Father, you know, like something like that, okay, that's going to bring me closer, you know, that sort of thing is going to help. One of the things that I found, and this is what kind of got me started doing uh, the Liturgy of the Hours, in particular morning prayer, is I thought, well, what if I gave up 20 minutes of sleep and I woke up early and did morning prayer? I was like, there's a perfect example of giving up something that you can then turn back and give to the Creator. That's the kind of thing that I think is, is one of the better spiritual devotions of Lent to help bring yourself closer to Christ. And that's the whole idea. So if you can maybe think of it that way, that's a great uh, starting point. But um, the other thing that's nice about um, the Liturgy of the Hours uh, for Lent is that as we mentioned before, this is the prayer of the church addressed to the Father. So, it's something that we participate in all together. And Doreen and I were just talking on the break, how cool is it that when you get to when you get up and you do morning prayer, there are monasteries and priests, religious, and other laity all across the globe that are doing this prayer all throughout the day as well. And so, when we do that, it's a, it's not just a devotion, it's a liturgy. And so, this is an ongoing liturgy that's um, that's never ending. It keeps on going over. We, we pray without ceasing, as the scripture says. So, it's really great to be able to participate in that as a whole church, capital C, church, all together, the universal Catholic church being together in that. So, that's something that's really nice as well. Um, but one other thing I'll say about Les, uh, lespers. Vespers during Lent. Uh, coin a new term there. Yeah, that like kind of works, right? Yeah. yeah. Lespers. It makes me sound like a leper. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things the Vatican, um, Second Vatican Council says about um, Vespers um, says this uh, quote Pastors of the souls should see to it that the chief hours, especially Vespers, are celebrated in common in church on Sundays and the more solemn feasts. And the laity, too, are encouraged to recite the divine office, either with the priests or among themselves or even individually. That comes from Sacrosanctum Concilium, paragraph 100. So, Second Vatican Council said, this is really good for you. You should try to do this. And in particular, as it says there, try to do Vespers in common on Sundays and more important feasts. And so, that's kind of what got me started into wanting to do this uh, on my own over here at St. Anne and Joachim. Um, but then for the season of Lent, we thought it'd be a good idea to maybe try doing it weekly to um, help to encourage the devotion and the chance I get to be on here on the air to encourage other people too. Uh, hopefully, it's going to foster a little bit more devotion to this wonderful prayer that I think, you know, like I mentioned, I posted my little status on Facebook and people were asking all kinds of questions. I think most people, if you're Catholic, have maybe heard the term Liturgy of the Hours, Divine Office, Evening Prayer, something of that stuff. But how do I start? How, where do I get going? What even is it? That's the kind of thing maybe we don't necessarily know quite so well. So this is an opportunity for you. Um, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you at St. Anna Joel come to join us for any one of or all of these uh, Nights of Vespers. Because I think as much as I can give you a quick summary here and you know, kind of miss some important details, I think, as I'm trying to describe what the Liturgy of the Hours is, it's better to just immerse yourself and just try it out. Um, 
it might take you a week or two maybe to, to get the hang of it, but um, the people that have come so far, they've been, um, I've been very happy to hear that the feedback, people have really enjoyed the beauty and, and the serene meditation that it brings to yeah. them in prayer. They're also, it's available, you know, the, the actual church form, if you're using the, uh, the, the books, you know, it, mm. it, it can get a little bit complicated. Right. It takes a, you know, it takes about at least a quarter of a college class in order to really figure it out. But there <laughs> I are, say, a master's degree. Yeah, actually, yeah, right. degree. <laughs> that's a lot. But there's there are online and other you know simplified versions. I know uh, the Magnificat. I think has morning and evening prayer at least. But it is not. It's it, not the. It's not in unison with no, the right. liturgy of the hours. It's, right. it's no. just kind of the same format. format. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I breviary. Mm-hmm. I breviary is the and liturgy of the hours. Does Laudate have it as well? Yes. yes it okay. Does. Yeah. yeah. You can Google those things, and you can get the mm-hmm. uh, the liturgy of the hours there, and it's and really nice. And you just have to scroll. You don't have to flip back and move ribbons. Right. Those and, are both. Yeah. <laughs> those are both nice applications you can get on your cell phone or your iPad or whatever. I breviary is one that I've. That's kind of one of the things I got started using as well. But another thing you can do too, I have this over here in studio, is the the shorter Christian prayer book. That has the um, morning and evening prayer in there as well as the Compline, which is the night prayer at the very end of the night after that too. And that's a great resource for you as well. Um, I'd be willing to bet that a, a priest in your neighborhood has one that he could probably lend to you. Uh, and if he doesn't, you can tell him that Patrick McGuire told him he should. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I happen to know the Holy Spirit Parish has... A small set of the sure, shorter a lot of Christian churches do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah the uh, the shorter Christian prayer book that you is that what it was called that mm-hmm. you just showed us. Yeah, it looks about the size of a pocket calendar almost. Or a little I, bit I had it in that. my uh, yeah. my coat pocket on my way in oh, this yeah, morning, so sure. it works out nicely. So mm-hmm. it lays everything out in here, and it's not quite as user friendly as the application might be, where you just kind of scroll through and go. But um, maybe if the first time or two that you pray with this, you have somebody that knows what they're doing, a priest perhaps, um, or a deacon. You know, deacons also pray this as well. Um, that might be a great way to kind of get you started. And, and I really think that's the best way to come into this type of prayer is to find some place that you can do it in common or encourage some friends together or, you know, do some Googling. I mean, if you look through it, the, the format is, is there in many different places. If you just look it up, um, that'll give you a good start to get into mm-hmm. it. And there's something, I don't know why, but there's something beautiful about holding the book in your hand. Yeah. I do appreciate <laughs> how efficient it is to have it on my phone, but there's something really wonderful about the book too so right absolutely and when we do it at saints and angelicum i'll kind of maybe pivot now into how we do it uh, on a weekly mm-hmm. basis what you can maybe expect if you were to come join us at saints and angelicum we'll do it for the season of lent we'll do it every sunday at five o'clock and i've been very very firm um with my ensemble to make sure that we don't sing too slow so that we are always done within a half an hour there was one week i think we were done in 18 minutes i was like okay maybe that's a little bit too fast <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing but, um it really doesn't take a long time at all to sing through all these prayers and to, and to experience it. So at any rate, um, it won't go over a half an hour. And when you show up at St. Angelicum, I have a whole bunch of little pamphlets that have everything. And what I try to do is kind of like the I breviary. I try to just list out everything so you can see exactly what's happening the whole way through. Even the parts that you don't sing or speak, I still have written in the program so that way you can see and follow along. Okay, this is here and now I go to this part. 
all that kind of stuff. And then I also have a cantor up at the front that will lead with the congregation. So the scola will be in the back with me at the organ. We'll have a cantor down in front that sings all the parts of the people. And so I always tell people right before we begin, if you're not sure what, if you should be singing or not, just look and see if the person up at the ambo is singing. If they are, you you can too. Or you can just take in the whole thing in silence in yourself. You know, you can just sit and listen and pray internally if you'd like to as well. If you're not comfortable to, to lift your voice, of course, um, being present there is, is still a good thing, but the program should give you a pretty good idea of where you should be and, and, and what to do with the prayer. So we do this. Uh, we'll begin right away at five o'clock each, uh, each Sunday night. We'll go through the whole um, prayer, and I've asked some various priests throughout the Diocese of uh, Fargo, at least in our, our area over here, to join us. And March 20th, for example, Bishop Folda will be with us for Vespers that night, so that'll be kind of Very exciting. Uh, might do that. That one might go a little over a half hour just because we have the bishop there. I might try to do a little more pomp and circumstance. <laughs> dress um, it up a little bit more. That's right. We'll dress it up a little bit, have some servers and incense and such. But um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's really, I think it's really user-friendly. I've done my best to really get some feedback from people over the first few months that we've done this to kind of see how can we make this a little more user-friendly to bring people into it. So uh, as much as we can, we try to be welcoming and accommodating. I had my uh, 15-month-old daughter with me last uh, month when we did it, and I was holding on to her with one hand and playing the organ a bit with the other hand, just trying to keep things going. And then you know, she was having a little bit of a rough time, so one of my Scola members took her out for me, and that was good. But we've had some young families be a part of this, too. It was really kind of cool for me to look down from the balcony and see that there was you know, a few other toddlers in there and some young kids. We had some high school students from Shanley um, that are getting some extra credit from their religion teacher for coming to these um, uh, nights of prayer as well. So it really is accessible for uh, the whole family. This is something you can pray if you're 8 years old or 108 years old. This is something that you can kind of get into as long as you can read what's on the page there you can get a good idea of what we're doing. Um, and it's not too long to the point where, you know, the younger kids might get a little bit antsy and wanting to, to get out and, and do something within a half an hour, you're in and out. I think it works out pretty well for the, for the younger ages for the most part as well. I love your invitation to, if you, if you don't want to chant along, to fully enter by being present and let the, <laughs> let the words penetrate your heart. Another yep, catchphrase of Vatican II is active participation. But if you go back to the original Latin that they use, it's participatio actuosa, actual participation, not necessarily active. Okay. So the most important thing is to unite your heart internally to the prayer that we that we sing. Well, well I particularly appreciate your directions to your choir director or, or your musicians not to go too slow. Oh yeah, there's nothing worse than slow chant, I tell you. <laughs> it just drags on, it feels like a funeral dirge, yeah, it's no good, so we want to try and keep some life in it. <laughs> and people get off key. Okay, slower. we got about 20 seconds, do you have any last minute encouragement to listeners out there in our area in general about, you know, doing this in their parish? Right, if you want to start this in your parish, um, you know, talk to your priest, I'm, I'm sure this is this isn't a bad idea by any means. And if you want to start it on your own as a devotion, start with one thing. Start with morning prayer or start with evening prayer. Just do one thing. Try it out for a few weeks. See how it goes. Um, but just know the Lord loves your devotion any way you can give it to him. Okay, wonderful. Amen. Well, thank, thank you, Patrick. you, Patrick, for being with us. We've been talking with Patrick McGuire, the choir director at St. Anne and Joachim Parish here in Fargo. And up next, are you excited for Lent? We'll be discussing this after the break with Father Robert Keller from uh, Holy Spirit Parish here in Fargo. So stay with us, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Radio Network.